This EHIV review program is presented by DKB Med Radio. And I do think despite the complexities of this case, it's such an exciting time to be in HIV. New options are in development and we're seeing emerging data all the time. So it really is possible that this patient could have a simpler regimen that fits his resistance profile in the next few years. Emerging HIV therapies and potential clinical uses. Welcome to EHIV Review. Clinicians are encountering multiple HIV mutations that defeat current therapies, and they need to know what new treatment options are becoming available. They're experiencing barriers to adherence that prevent adoption of effective ART regimens, and asking if long-acting formulations can overcome patient objections. And they're offering successful treatment options for PrEP that are unused or underused. What can clinicians do to better increase their patient's protection? These are some of the issues we'll be discussing today with Dr. Meredith Clement and Dr. Lauren Ritchie. They're both from the section of infectious disease at Louisiana State University Health Sciences Center in New Orleans. For our guest disclosures and additional CME information, please go to our website, ehivreview.org, and select the Volume 8, Issue 4 link. I'm Bob Busker, Managing Editor of the HIV Review. Dr. Clement, Dr. Ritchie, Thank you both for joining us today. Thank you so much for having us. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, I'm really excited to join you today and talk about these cases. We've got a lot to talk about, so let's jump right in with our first learning objective. Describe the potential uses of emerging therapies, including broadly neutralizing monoclonal antibodies and lenacaprovir, for the treatment of HIV. So take us to the clinic, if you would please, Dr. Ritchie, and start us out with a patient scenario. Our first case is a 55-year-old African-American man with long-standing HIV and known multidrug resistance. He presents to the clinic after having a new genotype, after having been found to have viral escape on his labs. His CD4 count is 250 and his viral load is 25,000. He was found to have extensive mutations to nucleotide reverse transcriptase inhibitors, NRTIs, non-nucleotide reverse transcriptase inhibitors, NNRTIs, and protease inhibitors, PIs. He did, however, retain activity to darunavir, and no darunavir-related mutations were found. He also has an important integrase mutation, a Q148H. This patient has had difficulty with adherence in the past, and especially with complicated dosing regimens, and desires the simplest regimen possible. Dr. Ritchie, you called the Q148H an important integrase mutation. Uh, tell us a little bit more about why. Well, the Q148H is a mutation that is commonly seen in people who have taken reltegravir or elvitegravir, and it results in high-level resistance to those two medications. It also results in intermediate resistance to cabotegravir, and low-level resistance to dolutegravir. When using dolutegravir with this mutation, it must be dosed twice daily. Thank you, doctor. Okay, so NRTI, NNRTI, PI resistance, a Q148 integrase mutation, and he needs a simplified regimen because his adherence is not what it needs to be. This is a challenging patient. Dr. Clement, what are some possible ART options for him? 
Well, uh, given this patient's extensive resistance pattern, only two of our most commonly used medications are available for him. One would be darunavir boosted with either ritonavir or cobicistat, and this would be given once daily. Um, and it can be given just once a day because he does have absence of darunavir-associated resistance mutations. And then the other option would be twice daily dogutegravir, and that remains an option given this resistance pattern. However, um, the two of these drugs together do not create what we would typically consider a complete regimen. I see. But these medications, are they the best choice for this patient? Uh, Dr. Ritchie, what's your opinion on that? Well, the boosted tarunavir is a good choice because it has a high barrier to resistance. It can also be dosed daily given the absence of any resistance mutations in this patient and then as a result can improve adherence. However, the dolutegravir must be dosed twice daily in any person with this mutation, this integrase mutation. And it's less ideal because the patient prefers a simple regimen and has already had issues with complicated regimens in the past. And while there is strong data to support two drug regimens, there is less data for the combination of these two medications, which is dolutegravir and darunavir. There are three small studies, however, that support the use of these two medications. One was in 2017, one in 2019, and another in 2023 presented this year at Croy. In those studies, there were several hundred patients that had very good viral outcomes. However, in this patient, due to the history of multi-drug resistance and development of resistance, it would be ideal to add a third active agent to prevent resistance in the future. We're still not checking off everything on this patient's want list. Any other possible options, Dr. Clement? So one option for salvage in this patient would be lenacapavir. Lenacapavir is a capsid inhibitor. It works along multiple steps of the HIV life cycle. And lenacapavir or lin has previously been studied in persons with multidrug resistant HIV in the Capella study. And in combination with other antiretrovirals, lin was well tolerated and results, resulted in high rates of virologic suppression. Lynn was FDA approved for treatment experience patients in December of 2022. And so for this patient, it has the advantage of not requiring daily dosing. It's dosed how? Linacapavir actually is administered every six months as a subcutaneous injection. And because of that prolonged duration of action, um, linacapavir really might help to improve adherence in this patient and help to overcome some of those uh, barriers to daily oral regimen that this patient has had in the past. However, linacapavir will need to be given alongside companion oral drugs. We heard about some early data at CROI on the possibility of broadly neutralizing antibodies or BNABs to be co-administered with LIN, but right now we don't have any long-acting partner drugs. So this patient would still need an oral regimen alongside of LIN. Would you consider dalutegravir? If we were going to administer lenacapavir alongside of dalutegravir, it's important to note that there are no medication interactions between the two of those medications. And while co-administration of lenacapavir and darunavir has not been studied, there may be increases in the level of both of those medicines. However, those increased levels are not anticipated to be clinically relevant. 
And then finally, I wanted to add that in the most recent Calibrate study, lenacapavir was tested in treatment-naive individuals with HIV. Investigators demonstrated that both oral lenacapavir and subcutaneous lenacapavir were well-tolerated and, eff and efficacious. However, as of yet, lenacapavir is not FDA-approved for treatment-naive individuals. Other possible options. Uh, Dr. Ritchie, what's currently approved? Another salvage option is ibilizumab and bostemsevir, both of which are entry inhibitors. Ibilizumab is a monoclonal antibody that binds to the extracellular domain of the CD4 cell, preventing the conformational change that is required for HIV to enter the cell. It was FDA approved in 2018 for heavily treatment experienced patients. Based on the data from a phase three trial, which showed it to be tolerable and have significant viral activity. Use is limited by its complicated dosing, which requires an intravenous infusion every two weeks. Not exactly ideal for a patient who needs a simplified regimen. Anything else? Another entry inhibitor approved by the FDA in 2020 for salvage therapy is Fostemsevir, which binds to the viral envelope near the CD4 binding site, preventing attachment and entry into T cells. It is given as a pill twice a day. The Bright study recently demonstrated that in people with multidrug-resistant HIV, Fostemsevir was efficacious and well-tolerated. In this patient, Fostemsevir would be the easiest entry inhibitor option because it is available in a pill form, but its twice-daily dosing would be challenging for this patient to adhere to, as I mentioned earlier with the dolutegravir. You've given us a pretty thorough menu of the available choices, but bottom line, it seems none of these existing options is ideal for addressing both this patient's current resistance pattern, as well as his need for a simpler regimen. Uh, that said, what would be your recommended course for this patient? Dr. Clement? So at this point, in order for this patient to have a fully active three-drug regimen, the patient will need twice-daily dosing of at least one of his medications. So his best options, I think, would be either boosted darunavir daily plus twice-daily dolutegravir and twice-daily fostemsevir to stick with an all-oral regimen, or he could opt for boosted darunavir daily plus twice-daily dolutegravir, and then the third drug would be linacapavir administered every six months via subcutaneous injection. And I do think despite the complexities of this case, it's such an exciting time to be in HIV. New options are in development and we're seeing emerging data all the time. So it really is possible that this patient could have a simpler regimen that fits his resistance profile in the next few years. Well, let's go there for a few moments. Dr. Ritchie, talk about new antivirals in development. What do you see coming that could better meet this patient's need to simplify his treatment regimen? Well, unfortunately, the new injectable-only regimen of cabotegravir and rilpivirine is not an option for this patient, given his extensive resistance to integrase inhibitors and NNRTIs. However, broadly neutralizing antibodies or BNABs are in development, although they are not ready for prime time at this point. Investigation into the use of BNABs for HIV has shown us that a combination of two broadly neutralizing antibodies can be effective in suppressing HIV for an extended period of time without ART, an average of 35 to 42 weeks in one recent study. 
BNOMs have the advantage of infrequent administration. However, their downside is that their efficacy is limited to BNOB-sensitive isolates. So again, BNOBs are not currently FDA-approved, but may have the potential as an option in the future for this patient. Flatrivir is also a new investigational drug, which is a nucleoside reverse transcriptase translocation inhibitor, or an NRTTI, that is being studied in many formulations. This includes a daily oral, a long-acting oral, and a long-acting implant. It is in the early stages of testing, and long-term safety data and efficacy data are still needed. At higher doses, Islatrovir was found to have the unfortunate side effect of declining lymphocytes, including CD4 subsets of T cells. It is still being studied at lower doses in combination with lenacaprevir for treatment, and it may become an option for this patient in the future, but it's a little too early to say. Well, thank you, doctors. Let's review what we've been discussing in light of our learning objective. Describe the potential uses of emerging therapies, including broadly neutralizing monoclonal antibodies and lenacaprevir for the treatment of HIV. Uh, Dr. Ritchie, what are the key things our listeners need to know? The key things for our listeners to know is that lenacaprevir is now FDA approved for salvage therapy for people with HIV. It has a new mechanism of action that acts on several different parts of the HIV life cycle and allows for convenient every six month dosing subcutaneously. Newer data discussed here supports lenacaprevir's use in newly diagnosed patients and the FDA approval for that indication is likely to follow. Other emerging antiretrovirals are in development, such as broadly neutralizing HIV monoclonal antibodies in Islatrovir, each with different and less frequent dosing options than daily pills. Broadly neutralizing monoclonal antibodies against HIV are currently being tested and have shown to suppress viral replication for a prolonged period with monthly infusions. However, further trials with antibodies with longer half-lives may make dosing less frequent and more feasible. Well, thank you, doctors. And we'll return with our guests from the LSU Health Sciences Center in New Orleans in just a moment. Let me take a quick couple of seconds here to ask you a very simple question. It's about your CME, CEU credits. Do you have all you need? Because it's not too late to get the credits still available without charge from EHIV Review. What do you need to know more about new evidence-based options for treatment-experienced patients or better understand the clinical concerns about weight gain in patients newly initiated on ART or increase your ability to more effectively engage vulnerable adolescents and young adults? You can connect to the expert clinical advice and analysis on the EHIV Review website. Just go to ehivreview.org and choose the newsletters and podcasts that interest you. All our EHIV review programs are accredited for nurses as well as physicians and are provided without charge to access or to obtain credit. And if you're listening to us on iTunes or YouTube or whichever service you get your podcasts and webcasts, please rate and review us because the more listeners we have, the more programs we can provide. EHIVreview.org for the content and the credit you might be missing. Welcome back to this EHIV review program. Our guests are Dr. Meredith Clement and Dr. Lauren Ritchie from the section of infectious disease at Louisiana State University Health Sciences Center in New Orleans. 
We've been talking about potential benefits of treating HIV infection with emerging therapies like broadly neutralizing monoclonal antibodies and lenacaprevir. Let's turn now to our second learning objective. Describe the potential uses of emerging medications, including islatrovir and broadly neutralizing antibodies, in the prevention of HIV. Uh, so if you would please, Dr. Clement, take us back to the clinic with another patient scenario. So a patient comes to you, he's a 27-year-old white male, and he presents to your primary care clinic requesting PrEP. He reports condomless sex with several recent new male and female partners, and he has also been diagnosed with syphilis and rectal chlamydia over the past six months. He tells you he previously tried to take TDF-FTC, which is tenofovir disulproxyl fumarate, co-formulated with intracytabine, but he could not remember to take it every day. He is interested in long-acting PrEP and is considering injectable cabotegravir, but first he'd like to know more about his options. Before we talk about this patient's request, I'd like to ask you, how would you advise providers who may be seeing patients with the kinds of risk behaviors that this individual reports engaging in? Doctor? Yeah, so my first thought actually is that we are trying now as providers to take the conversation away from this concept of risk. If patients are sexually active and they come in requesting PrEP, we should be pre prescribing PrEP. And that is consistent with what the new CDC guidelines tell us about pre-exposure prophylaxis or PrEP. And then something else to keep in mind is that patients may not always want to provide details about their exact behaviors, their number of sexual partners, their history of STIs, and yet they may tell you that they are interested in PrEP. And so we need to remember also that the guidelines would advise us to prescribe PrEP to all patients who request it, regardless of what risk factors they report to us. A good reminder, doctor. Thank you. And then next, I'd like to address this patient's concern with daily pills. So I often see this in my clinic, this hesitancy in younger patients who have very few comorbidities and don't take any other pills. They feel well and either they don't want a daily pill or they don't feel like they can remember to take it. Taking pills just isn't part of their daily routine like it may be for other patients who have diabetes, hypertension, or other comorbidities. So despite the fact that we have two very effective daily oral pill regimens, and that would be TDF-FTC, like what this patient was previously on, and TAF-FTC, or tenofovir alafenamide co-formulated with emtricitabine, and both of these, I'll add, are more than 99% effective if taken as prescribed. Um, so again, despite the fact that we have two of these, a long-acting formulation may be ideal for this patient and others who share challenges with daily oral pill taking. And for this patient who wants to know more about his options for long-acting PrEP, what would you tell him? So currently, injectable cabotegravir is the only long-acting prevention medication available, although there are other long-acting formulations that are being studied. For those who are on long-acting PrEP with cabotegravir, they must prevent to the clinic every two months because injections have to be administered by a healthcare provider. If in the future, a higher concentration, i.e. lower volume formulation can be developed, along with a device for self-administration, it may be possible that injections can at some point be given at home, potentially in the thigh. 
And then we also have lenacapavir, as we've previously discussed. Lenacapavir is a novel antiretroviral medication. It's a capsid inhibitor that's now approved for the treatment of multidrug-resistant HIV. And it's also being studied currently in phase three studies for prevention, again, as a subcutaneous injection that's administered every six months. Two currently ongoing studies, Purpose 1 and Purpose 2, are underway simultaneously. Purpose 1 is enrolling adolescent girls and young women in sub-Saharan Africa, and the aim is to study efficacy of daily oral tenofovir alafenamide, or TAF, in addition to subcutaneous lenacapavir. And then also there's the Purpose 2 study, and that study is enrolling gender-diverse persons who have receptive anal sex in the United States South America, and South Africa. Participants in Purpose 2 are randomized two to one to receive lenacapavir or TDF-FDC. What about Islatravir? Oh, we talked about it earlier in the context of HIV treatment. Does it have a potential place as PrEP to prevent HIV acquisition? Islatravir is another novel antiretroviral medication. It's a nucleoside reverse transcriptase translocation inhibitor, or an NRTTI, and it has been studied for HIV prevention, including early studies of an islatravir implant. Two early phase one studies on implants demonstrate, demonstrated satisfactory pharmacokinetic and safety data. However, islatravir's future as PrEP is unclear because of what we now know about an association of the medication with declining CD4 positive subsets of lymphocytes. In fact, islatravir was previously being studied as a once-monthly oral formulation for PrEP, but Merck has announced abandonment of all studies with islatravir for oral PrEP. And broadly neutralizing monoclonal antibodies? Broadly neutralizing monoclonal antibodies are also being developed for HIV prevention. In the AMP trials, and AMP stands for Antibody-Mediated Prevention, Infusions of BNABs against VRCO1, which targets the HIV envelope protein CD4 binding site, were administered every eight weeks. The BNAB was associated with a lower risk of HIV acquisition of isolates that were considered sensitive to the antibody. The AMP trial data provided proof of concept that BNABs can be effective to prevent HIV when isolates are sensitive. Ultimately, a combination BNAB approach will be required because of concerns about resistance if only a single antibody is used. Well, thank you, Dr. Clement. Uh, Dr. Ritchie, talk to us, if you would, please, about HIV prevention strategies this patient could employ now. We've already talked about cabotegravir and the need to visit the clinic every 60 days for injections. Anything else that's evidence-supported that could reduce this patient's risk of acquiring HIV? There are tried and true prevention strategies such as barrier protection, internal and external condoms, reduction in the number of partners, and routine testing and treatment of sexually transmitted infections, all of which can reduce HIV transmission. Routine testing for HIV in this patient and his regular partners would also be a benefit in order to institute treatment and reduce transmission. Long-acting PrEP is one of the most foolproof methods because the only requirement for this patient would be to come in every two months for his injections. This patient, given his risk factors, would benefit from a long-acting PrEP, which at this point would be cabotegravir, although these options may expand in the near future. Thank you, doctor. Let's summarize what we've been discussing in light of our learning objective, 
described the potential uses of emerging medications, including aslatrovir and broadly neutralizing antibodies, in the prevention of HIV. What are the key things you want our listeners to take away from our conversation? Long-acting PrEP is needed as many patients have challenges to adherence to daily medications. And currently, cabotegravir is FDA approved for this indication. Many newer therapies are under study and at various different stages of development, including lenacapravir, islatravir, and broadly neutralizing monoclonal antibodies. Different dosing options, including infusions, implants, and subcutaneous injections are being tested. The future of PrEP looks promising. From the section of infectious disease at Louisiana State University Health Sciences Center in New Orleans, Dr. Lauren Ritchie, Dr. Meredith Clement, thank you both for joining us in today's EHIV Review Podcast. Thank you so much for having us. It was really a pleasure to be here with you today. For EHIV Review, I'm Bob Busker. To receive CME credit for this activity, please take the post-test at ehiv.dkbmed.com. EHIV Review is supported by educational grants from Gilead Sciences Incorporated, Merck & Company, and Vive Healthcare. The opinions and recommendations expressed by faculty and other experts whose input is included in this program are their own. This enduring material is produced for educational purposes only. EHIV Review is copyright, with all rights reserved, by DKB Med, LLC. Thank you for listening.